my brother, Christopher Gross, um, he was born at a pound and a half and was a preemie and um, has literally, he is the, he is one of my heroes in my life. Um, He born at a pound and a half, had several surgeries as a baby. I mean, like defying all odds, uh, had a liver transplant at 14, ended up developing diabetes. Um, And so just crazy that they had come up to me and I like explained that whole thing. And it just literally, again, was like, I feel like the Lord was just like working to make paths cross and meet and everything to, um, to see that through. And so that, yeah, that's what Cadence Hope is. And I've been able to work with them. This is episode number 145 with Mary Sarah. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, business owner, coach, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Goldster Wife, award-winning author and speaker, Barbara Allen. And we have another incredible show for you. Our guest today is Mary Sarah. And long before Mary Sarah turned four chairs on the hit TV show, The Voice, She was turning the hearts of audiences from the Grand Old Opry to touring with Kids Bop and performing with country legends like Dolly Parton, Willie Nelson, and Merle Haggard, among others. Mary Sarah has learned some tough lessons about human nature and the music industry and credits her family and her faith with guiding her to the right places and people at the right time. In this episode, Mary Sarah shares some of those stories, including how she came to be a national ambassador for the nonprofit Cadence Hope, what it is like to sing with Dolly Parton, why she declined two opportunities to compete on The Voice before she appeared in season 10, and she also offers advice for any young artist hoping to build their own success in the music industry. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Mary Sarah. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Very, very excited, as always, to sit down with our amazing guest for the week. And this week, it is Mary Sarah. You may know her or recognize her from uh, season 10, I believe, of The Voice in 2016. She was a four-chair turn Blake went ahead and picked her, which lets me forgive him a little bit because he kicked my friend off of his team. So mm-hmm. we'll forgive him. He sort of <laughs> righted a little bit of a wrong here, I guess, because he made a bad decision and then a good decision when he kept uh, Mary Sarah on his, <laughs> on his team. Uh, and she is one of the most patriotic, happiest, talented performers I think you can come across uh, anywhere with just a genuine warmth and true spirit. We are so excited to have you here with us today, Mary Sarah, to share some of your energy and your warmth and your patriotism with our community and uh, maybe reach back out and do the same to you in your world. Thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with us. Thank you so much, Barb, for having me. It is such an honor. And I think it's so cool to know that you've had me on your radar for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Everything happens for a reason. So right now we're talking now because timing is 
perfect. Yes, (laughs) it is. It is the time when we are supposed to meet. We have a mutual friend, uh, Taya Kyle. And, you know, so I did see you on The Voice. I started watching The Voice more. I had a friend, Matt Snoke. He was on The Voice. Um, He he made Team Blake, then Blake booted him, you know, but I watched it a little more, you know, after Matt was on and I did get to see you perform. And I am just in, really, you just have the sweetest, purest voice and I've loved it. And then, um, you know, when I met up with Taya talks so highly of you and we went to the Patriot tour. I took some gold star wives to the Patriot tour. We saw you perform, you know, like, so you've always been, I'm like, I got to get Mary Sarah, you know, but awesome. yes. So that is how, like, I've sort of been floating around in your periphery for a while. I absolutely <laughs> love Taya. She is yeah. such a sister to me. Um, she, she's the person I call when I like, don't know what to do in life. Because <laughs> she seems to have most of the answers for the most part. And so even she with this have. video that I just posted recently, she was beyond supportive. I sent her a link and she was like, I'm sending it everywhere. I'm sending it to all the people I know. And just yes. like went over and above and beyond for me. And she always has, and I'm so grateful for her friendship. Right. It is so, and that's how, well, I've, you know, I'll talk to you stories another day. Um, cause this is Mary, Mary Sarah's show, but yes, <laughs> but yes, I have the same respect and, and she is a, a good friend of mine too. So there we have that in common. That's why, um, and you're, you're up there with her too, though. I absolutely respect you and oh. <laughs> I've read on your story and, um, your courage and it, it, it blows me away. So I'm honored to be oh, here. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, let us talk. Right before we started recording, you said something. Well, let's talk about where you are now. And then we're going to go back to that creative conversation that we started. Because I think it is really important. I think it's going to really be important for people who who are in the creative space, who write, who speak, who, who paint, um, who sing, who compose, who anything like that. It's very hard to get into that creative space. And I think what you have to say about it and the way you put it is going to be like, like it was to me, like, thank God you said that. Right. So we're going to, I'm going to get some tips from you and how you get into that space and maybe some advice from other people to do it. But before we do, let's talk about where you are now since yeah. the voice, oh and then we'll go back to your path to the voice. Cause it's super interesting. Kids pop and all yeah. that. There's, there's so much, it's yeah. so much. I feel like a lot of people never realized too, or at least a lot of like newer fans that I got on the voice, like they didn't realize, like i that wasn't just the beginning of music for me it right. was back when I was 12. And, um, so it's been, I mean, it's, it's really all I know. <laughs> oh. Um, but nowadays, um, I am working on new music, which is awesome. Um, it's super exciting. I mean, it's, it's been a while. I released two singles after the voice in 2016. Um, but I haven't released anything new since. And I know a lot of people are like, what is she doing? Where is she at? And obviously I kind of like being that sneaky thing of like people wondering, but at the same time, I'm so ready to get this new music out and um, just show the world kind of what's going on. (laughs) That'll be fun. That'll be fun because the music that you have out already is just, it's just, you know, I got, I was, hopped on YouTube and I was playing the songs and you just, again, you have this energy that comes through and your voice is like so pure and you could tell you're really just invested in everything that you're singing and that you're doing and that you mean it. And so uh, I think I I learned that that wasn't, I feel like that wasn't always the case. It's, it's, I find it easy to just sing through a song. Um, For me, it, I'm trying to remember when it happened, but there was a certain like point where that saying passion over perfection. Yeah. 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 Um, 
comes into play and you realize how much more fun you have on stage. And when you really do just kind of let go and you feel a song instead of just singing it, um, because I was technically trained too. So my perfection level is like, I am such a perfectionist. And I feel like sometimes that stopped me in life. And if anything, it's been one of those things that like has been a positive and also possibly a negative in my life where I've have to, had to face. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, perfection. It's one of those things. It's terrible, <laughs> but it's good. It's good. <laughs> I love it. No, I have the phrase I like to use, you know, some things are perfectly imperfect. You know, I think that's the place okay. where, where you need to be. You need to get to that perfectly imperfect place. And that's the sweet spot, you know, and there yeah. you stick. And uh, for me, like even in my music, like that saying too, as well, I don't know. I just, it, that is the case in the fact that we won't ever be perfect. And to expect ourselves to do that, yeah. I w- would just fail ourselves continually. Um, and for me, I learned that at a certain point and boy, was that freeing. <laughs> <laughs> do you think an audience connects with you more too, when they feel like, okay, we well, you know she's not perfect all the time. You know, it just makes you, it makes <laughs> them, do you feel like that happens? Like, like they, so they get to relax around you a little more? Yeah, it's those times like during a performance where I mess up a lyric or I mess up playing guitar. And for the longest time, I would always overthink that. And like afterwards, be like, oh, the whole show was terrible just because I missed like one thing or whatever. And that's my perfection side. But the fact was, is I, you know, do meet and greets after the fact and fans would be like, I love that part. Like, I know you messed up, but like at the same time, it's just so <laughs> awesome to know that like you're real. And, and so just recognizing that, that just being real is so much better than being perfect. And the satisfaction and like peace I find in that now, um, like I said before, it's very freeing. <laughs> So were you one of those, like, you know, the little girls that just runs around singing all the time, had the angelic voice and your parents or family and friends are saying she has to sing or did you have to convince people that this is something that you really want to do? You know, it early on. So I started professionally singing when I was 12, but before that, um, how I originally just got into singing in general was around the age of seven, eight years old. Um, I have an older sister who's a year and a half older and I always have looked up to her. And so at that age, she wanted, she was what, nine, 10. And she wanted to play piano. And so I was like, oh, mom, Emily's playing. I want to play too. Like, let me have lessons too. So I started piano lessons and I, the thing was, uh, as I would just like sing along with the songs we were learning on the piano and my teacher at the time, uh, Thomas Corley, he was like, Hey, um, you have a natural vibrato and like a lot of natural things with your voice and you're pretty like dead on with pitch most of the time. And would you ever be interested in vocal lessons? I have a really great vocal coach and little me, it was like, yeah, fun. Awesome. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it was, it wasn't something that like, I don't know. I didn't ever imagine it to be an entire career at that time. It was just, I did, I sang around the house and it was just a fun thing. It was never anything serious. And, um, and that just kind of opened the door and one thing after another happened. And, um, whether it was, you know, finding an agent out in LA through that vocal coach and then being able to land kids bop at 12 years old. Um, that was one of my first auditions ever in LA and thank God, honestly, I was so 
naive to LA and that whole process with stage parents and like how many kids are like literally there living that life all the time. And so when I went and auditioned for Kids Bop, I walked in like, hi guys, what's up? <laughs> and just, you know, happy to be there. And it wasn't really like nerve wracking, but I remembering back now, I, I do remember like seeing kids who were just like, sitting there quietly or their moms were like getting on them or something. And here my mom and I are just literally like we were at uh, Walgreens prior printing out a headshot and my little resume on the back. (laughs) Just, you know, it was a really fun thing for us at that time. So yeah, then I landed kids up at 12. um, And that's, that is where I learned that I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. We were, we did 48 cities across the East coast and Midwest. What? Where um, would you perform? Like what kind of venues um, would we they be? Theaters and stadiums, wow. <laughs> like arenas. Yeah. Um, the company at the time, uh, it was the corporation I want to say that worked with Sesame Street, And okay. so they also did kids bop. And so they were able to get these arenas and stuff. And mind you, this was literally the first ever tour that Kids Bop had done too. So we wouldn't really fill the arenas, but we would I'd probably at the most have 10 to 12,000 people. And um, it was awesome. We had little mosh pits of children and <laughs> we would do like two hour meet and greet sessions after the facts. And wow. I remember like a specific performance. It was in a theater and Prior to that, like prior prior to it all happening, I was singing in the Opry's of Texas, which I would sing that more classic country like Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn and um, people like that. And so I knew who they were. And in that theater, Patsy Cline had signed the wall. And I was like, oh, my gosh, mom, we're performing in the same theater as Patsy Cline and just freaking out and just remembering kind of being on cloud nine that entire day. And there was six kids. um, And so we each got solos in um, the whole performance. And um, when my solo came about, again, that perfection thing of normally just thinking about every note and making sure I hit it perfectly. For some reason, I was like, I just want to take in this moment that I'm yeah. like getting to perform where Patsy Cline performed. And honestly, I slightly feel like she just sang through me. Um, and but what I did was listen to everyone else sing with me and like in my ears, what it just sounded perfect. It was like a choir of angels. And I finished that show and I ran off stage and I was crying and I was laughing all at the same time. And I was like, Mom. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Oh, and I haven't stopped since. So. <laughs> That's great. So did your parents have to tour with you? My mom did. It was definitely one of those decisions as a family. We took like two weeks to pray about it. Um, Cause it's not just me. I'm the youngest. It's um, I've got an older sister and two older brothers okay. and so lots of other factors in yeah. it as well. And luckily we were fortunate enough to be able to have them like travel to some of the cities and meet us and follow along. And then when there was like holidays and stuff, we would be able to see one another. But it was six months. And so it wasn't like forever or anything, but it's still, I, I feel like it definitely took a toll at the time on our family too. But um, the Lord, I feel like also was there. So, Oh, and they must be so proud of you and happy for you. They, my family, they are my number one fan. <laughs> they are very, they're so proud. They're supportive. My sister is beyond protective of me. Like it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. I'm very thankful. I do not know what I would do without my family. Great. Are any of them 
following an artistic path? So my dad is a hobby. He plays guitar and occasionally like does some shows in Texas. Um, he loves music. He's always loved music. And I think that is kind of where it came from. Cause my mom is like, she's like, can't sing a note. Don't ever ask me to. <laughs> she's like, I'm behind the camera. We're good. <laughs> um, and, uh, my sister as well is, um, musically inclined. She played, um, piano, classical piano for about 12 years. Um, but wasn't necessarily her thing. It wasn't really what she wanted to do. And, um, so it's really just me and my dad who kind of keep the music, um, side of things in our family going. Fun. And so now you're, you know, among the rest of the world, or we're all sort of in lockdown with the with COVID and the sheer insanity going on out there. How long have you been quarantining there at your house? Oh, roughly, roughly. Like when no, did you start? You know what? I honestly, I think maybe in my head I thought, well, if I don't really count the days, maybe it won't seem that Oh, well, long. you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, we, we had a start in somewhere around mid-March, I think. And now I would, I think I want to say like mid to end of March yeah. because I had a part-time job too. And that didn't end to like end of March. Um, so I want to say like probably around the same time. I think all of us were Pretty somewhere around the same area on who you know, was still working and everything um so are yeah. you one of those do you go out and do you know performances in your yard and sing and get the neighborhood together or you're just keeping it tight keeping it close I, I have been keeping it pretty tight um occasionally um like I've done I've got this girls group that I lead on Wednesdays and um, we actually have never met one another. And so I was like, you know what, like, why don't we do, and this is so cheesy, but I thought it was so funny when I said it, but I was like, why don't we do something called like six feet apart where we go <laughs> to the park and we stay six feet apart and we just get to talk with one another and meet with each other. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I try to still get out there without, you know, breaking rules and limitations and, um, I'm still, I'm still also a part of the crew of people that I don't necessarily know if I'm going to be a part of the first ones to try to go out and like go to restaurants and things like that. I'm like, I'll let the first wave of people see how it goes. <laughs> and then maybe I will. <laughs> no tours for the future. Um, so I see here too that, I mean, even before, were you doing duets with amazing people well before The Voice I was, how did yeah. this all happen? It's crazy. Um, it's just a normal part of your life, right? Like for you, it's all, for, yeah, I did a duet with Dolly. I did a duet with, but, you know, but it's not normal for the rest of the world. I'm, so. I'm starting to learn a whole lot more. I yeah. think the older I get, like how abnormal my growing up. But in a good way, in a good way. I think it's in best when you don't know. Yeah. When you don't yeah, know that it's supposed way, to be hard. Like, opportunities and yeah. things that you know not everybody gets to have and um I just I do attribute to it to the Lord because the things I've been able to do just like that record I before we ever had a name for it I called it a miracle of a project huh. because just the way that things went one after the other and getting to meet the people that I did so that record I um met a management team here in Nashville at the age of 15 years old. That was after I'd finished a record at 14 in Texas, um, country record. And, um, 
they had reached out via social media and they were like, Hey, we'd love to meet you if you're ever in Nashville. So we made it happen and, um, signed with her and we had this idea for a new record. Um, and it was not at the level of what we ended up accomplishing, but it was somewhat similar in a way of still doing classic country songs. Um, but we were just going to use maybe some like Texas legendary music, uh, musicians on it. And we kind of presented that idea to her. And so this is the idea we were going for, you know, let us know if that's a, you know, good thing. You know, you live in Nashville, you know what you're doing and everything. And she, she looked at us and just said, you know, I think you guys should think bigger. And the first person she introduced me to was Kent Wells, which is Dolly Parton's producer. And um, even prior to that too, backtracking a little bit, the Oak Ridge Boys had already reached out to me via social media and I was able to kind of make a great and wonderful friendship that is still to this day absolutely wonderful with them. And um, they had me sing on their show when I was 15. And so that was a video that I had too. And so when acquiring the artist for this record, um, we sent them that. We sent them kind of like an EPK of, you know, what I'm able to do. And um, and Dolly was the first one to accept. Oh. and. Like, I think when you get Dolly Parton on your record, like asking anybody else is like, oh, wait, Dolly's on there. Okay, I got it. <laughs> like, I'll do it. Yeah, um, enough said. But yeah, and I think it, it's that record to me is a testimony to just how much the legends in country music actually wanted to give to um, an unknown independent artist like myself and was supportive of other younger artists coming up in the industry. Um, Cause we didn't, there wasn't a single dime paid to any of those artists. Like they just did it wow. out of the kindness of their heart. And that's why I call it a miracle of a project too. I'm like, how does this even happen? Um, and eventually I was also introduced to Freddie Powers, who's the executive producer on the record. And he wrote songs like chase each other around the room tonight for more Haggard and um, best friends with Willie. They all lived on a houseboat together. Um, and so he was able to pull Willie and Merle, um, and Tanya Tucker, uh, Lynn Anderson. Um, it just, it was, uh, accumulation of all these people coming together, together to make this record happen. And I even, I mean, I think with it, I look back and I'm like, I wish I was like a little older or I would have been a little older at the time to like really understand kind of how iconic it is. Like, I don't think there will ever be a record like right. that made. And just like, and it, it just blows my mind. And and the more like when Ray Price passed away and Lynn Anderson passed away and like these legends, I mean, it, it is looking back, it was such an honor and always will be such an honor to have worked with them. Well, maybe one day down the road, there'll be another Mary Sarah sitting here talking about, well, I reached out, I got Mary Sarah to join me and she just did it, you yes. know, like maybe you can be that to I somebody down the road. I absolutely hope so. I absolutely hope so. That would be really, really awesome. That's, Wouldn't that be that's great? for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be just a full circle, amazing moment. And I'm going to go out and call. I feel like if you got that call down the road, I feel like you would say yes. And you would do the same thing. I always said, and one thing with that record is, um, just 
starting with the legends and then just for me it was a goal to become a legend like and remember that and just you know it's it was awesome too they were so wonderful to work with and the advice I had gotten at that time as well from each of them was absolutely incredible can you remember any nuggets of advice that any one of them gave to you that really yeah. stuck in this? <laughs> um, Ray Price uh, was definitely really wonderful. He, um, gosh, I remember when he rolled up out, he rolled up in his to- giant tour bus to the recording studio and he gets out and he's wearing this like cute little cardigan with his super starch jeans and his like belt buckle that said price on it. And this was like the coolest person coming into the studio. And um, he took the time to just talk about how it's not going to be easy. um, The road that I'm deciding to go on. um, But that if I love it, that it's totally worth it. And um, also that knowing your audience is a really, really big thing. Um, and making sure that you are aware of that during your performances and try to make them feel special because it's about the fan. Um, you do what you do for other people. Um, and my dad's favorite advice from him is that don't ever let a man get in the way of your career. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) at least that's what he told my dad was like, you protect her. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome. (laughs) I can see how a dad would cherish that advice a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think one of the coolest compliments I got on that record was with Dolly. Um, she literally, so we did Jolene together and, um, she said, which I think is just crazy is that, so she listened to my recording. So I'd send her my vocals first and, um, she responded and was like, I love your version. I don't really want to take away from you leading on this. I just want to dance around your vocals. To me, that's like, what Dolly? I'm supposed to be doing background vocals for you. Like this That's is not supposed crazy. To be I know. <laughs> yeah, and um, and just yeah. oh my gosh, how she tastefully went through that song, and added the harmonies to it, and the call and response on it, um, just blows my mind. She was so cool. That is pretty special that you got to do. So then, by the time you got to the voice, well, hey, how did you decide to do the voice? Or to, to even that was a journey. All of all of what I've done in my life has definitely been with a whole lot of prayer. Um, yeah. During the record bridges, the duets record, um, I had thought I had okay. So I had seen the show, The Voice, early on. It was the, it was either the first or second season when I saw it, and watching it, I had this really like eerie feeling that I would be on there one day. And I didn't know when, but I was like, something in me was like, I want to do that. (laughs) And um, so, but the thing was, is that it wasn't until years later that I actually did it. And so I I had auditioned like two or three times before, but I ended up getting the contract and was like, I can't do this. This is a big commitment. Like, this is national television. I just wasn't exactly ready. Wait, so you um, auditioned two or three times before you were on the show and you made it through? Yes. And I you said, no. on second thought, 
<laughs> Very I, so. I know I know because the last time that I actually I love went, that I love that <laughs> last time I actually went and auditioned for yeah. it I literally said to them because the first one I did have to do more of like an open call thing but the next ones because they already had known my name and I already done it they sent me to the um like private auditions which is like right. kind of the second round in a way and so the last time for my season that I did it, I was like, I feel like I've like, exhausted like them as far as getting a private audition. I'm just going to go back to doing open calls. Like, and cause I just felt like at that time, I'm like, I've, I've done this too many times to count. Like, I'm not going to use that. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't until 2016, I was 20 years old. Um, that, I had already toured for the Bridges record and it was finished because when I auditioned prior, that record wasn't necessarily finished. Um, and there was a whole lot more performing and touring to be done. And my mom's always taught me that like, once you start something, you need to see it through and finish it. And so that would always come up in my mind whenever I would go audition. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not, it's not right time. <laughs> and like, maybe it's not ever, who knows? And, but yeah, 2016 oh came and I I oh, love right. that story. I love it. I mean, how many thousands of people stand in line and do all this thing? They don't get it. And you're like, um, no, <laughs> like, but <you> know, <laughs> there's something to be said for following your gut. And like you said, knowing when the time is right and taking a step back to reflect and pray, whatever it is you do, you know, and just mm-hmm. to step into it when you know the time, I have huge respect for, for you doing that. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to do it halfway. Like that, you can rush. Yeah. And, like, take it into your own hands and try to make it something. Um, and I've just learned to kind of take a step back and go, you know what, Lord, you got this. Like, and whatever you believe in, just believing that life is going to take care of it, and opportunities are going to come, and it's going to come in its own timing. So. So you get through the third time, and are they like, all right, this is the part where she says no, thank you? Were they surprised when you? <laughs> they were actually very happy yes that I finally there was a (laughs) producer that would reach out to me every year oh my um, gosh and say hey we'd love for you to come audition and I would be like "Mm, okay I'll audition but no (laughs) and um and so I think when I sent back the contract signed and everything yeah they were like oh man she's in like she's gonna do it for real <laughs> so before you even hit the stage where you're auditioning for the judges you've signed the contract agreeing to go through the mm-hmm. whole process for however long you're involved in the show yeah <laughs> yep. well and like you do go through so after that like private audition you yep. end up going to LA for um executives um and so that's about like two weeks long and but that's where you get to kind of like choose your attorney and talk about like the contract and everything. And um, like they split people up. And so we each get to like choose between two. So technically like we have two different lawyers or whatever it is. And so, yeah, so that whole process was wild too. I mean, you go through like a psych test and you go through like so much during that like two weeks. Um and then after that, that like, if you make it past that, it's the blind auditions. Wow. You're listening to the American Snippets podcast. 
Hey, Dave Brown here again real quick, and we'll get right back to this week's episode. But first, I wanted to let you know about an offer that we just put out there. It's your chance to get a free t-shirt from American Snippets in conjunction with our brand new community called The Great American Syndicate. The Great American Syndicate is for proud, grateful, patriotic Americans, and most, most importantly, driven Americans who have that entrepreneurial spirit, people who want to pursue more out of life and live their own version of the American dream. Our community is all about connection, collaboration, and contribution. So if you want to claim your free t-shirt, all you have to do is pay shipping and handling. Go to greatamericansyndicate.com. Supplies are limited, so act now. So were you even, by the time you... You step into the blind auditions. You've toured with Kids Bop. You've done duets with legends in the industry and put that out there and you've performed and you've been doing this for years. Were you among the other contestants? Did you feel like you were more at peace and calm? And you had already declined it twice. Like So this wasn't, I mean, was there a difference between you hang, or did you notice a difference between you and the other contestants? Were they you know, more nervous than you, or were you just in your space and in your peace and just like, Hey, whatever happens. Kind of, yeah, you know, I going into it, I know I didn't want to win. Um, I didn't necessarily want to be stuck to that contract for the most part. <laughs> um, if anything, I just literally wanted to use the publicity for what it is and like gain my fan base and everything. And literally that's what happened. And I honestly think the Lord was just watching me the entire time. Cause I, we yeah. talked about it with my family prior. We were like, you know, if you just make it to like top five and literally like, that's the place <laughs> I made it to top five. And, um, yeah, it's, it was, it was, um, it was so different from what I was used to. Honestly, it was kind of the first thing walking into there going, I do, you know, I had, a lot of stage performance, um, under my belts and stuff, but I don't know if it like really prepares you for like all these cameras around you while you're performing on stage. And like, I don't know, just, it's a definitely, it's, it's a lot smaller than it looks on TV too. Yeah. That usually is the case, right? It it looks so big. Then you walk in, you're like, this is (laughs) liars. It's always pretty massive for the most part, but at the same time, it definitely looks bigger on television. Um, But yeah, and then to to be judged in a way or like, and they don't call them judges, they call them coaches, but also trying to like win somebody who you highly respect their, you know, vote. Um, It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely different. It's a whole, they call it reality television, but honestly, you're in a dream world. You're like in, on Universal Studios lot, like almost every single day, you're, like riding in these golf carts, seeing like other famous actors like pass by you. And you're like, what, what world am I living in? You're getting hair and makeup done. You're getting the whole outfit. Like it's, it's crazy. It was, uh, but I did, I, I had peace about it because I knew it was where I was supposed to be. And one of the things that, um, confirmed that for me was right in the beginning. Um, so back when I was telling you about how the Oak Ridge boys, um, had me sing on their show. Um, when I was 15, I sang where the boys are by Connie Francis. And that's always been a staple song in my life. Um, it's opened a whole lot of doors and that song was part of the reason why the bridges record, um, got put together as well. And, um, when going into the blinds, 
it's not that they like choose your song for you. You end up sending a ton of songs in that you would possibly want. It's just because they can't have people choosing the same song. And like, All right. um, they're also looking at your story too. They want it to like line up with your story and everything. And, and with, you know, the genre you're saying you want to go into. And, um, I, I don't think I really stressed too much about the song, but I, I did mention the Oak Ridge boys and how that happened when I was 15 and one one of the weeks when we were all waiting for the email like of what song we were gonna sing um people started to get them in and like I'm across the street from the hotel uh, with a couple other people we're on our way to Starbucks and all of a sudden I hear my phone like my email thing and I just like kind of knew I was like I think it's it I think it's it and so I was like guys I'll like meet you over there so I go like in between two cars in the parking lot and I read that they chose where the boys are for me. And back as well, when I imagined being on the show and like seeing myself, like watching the show for the first time and going, I think I'm going to be on the show. Literally, that is the song I wanted to sing. And out of the, I don't know how many songs I sent for them to choose that specific song. It was confirmation for sure that I was literally where I was meant to be. Um, so not to say that it wasn't stressful. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But there, yeah, I, I imagine it it is stressful, you know, to be out there and pressure you put on yourself and all that. But I think it, it seems like you just went into it, such a good attitude and mindset and following faith more than fame kind of thing. And and I, I really think when you do that, when you proceed that way through life, you know, the universe sort of provides and it's up to you to take it and, and understand when is right or when is not. But yeah. I mean, it's the whole trust, conversation. Trusting. It's blind trust and that's yeah. faith. <laughs> but I think your story validates that for me. I always, I'm getting a little bit into the chills listening to you, sir, because I believe in that. I believe in that so deeply. And I love seeing when it happens and proof positive in people's lives and how you go about it. Because um, I, I just know that it happens and it is, and it's that, it is that blind faith. You have to, you have to follow it. I'm glad you followed yours and you're continuing to follow it because I think you have so much to offer. And I think the world is so much to offer you, you know, in return. And it's going to be exciting to see where you go. And I know that you also use your energy to give back and, and help others. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit and hear from you about Cadence Hope Foundation and what that is and how people can learn about it and get involved. Yes. So Cadence Hope Foundation, um, I am the national ambassador for, um, and so crazy. It's so funny. It always, it's like always going back to the Oak Ridge boys with this story, (laughs) but one of the years, so it wasn't the first year, but the Oak Ridge boys would have me back almost every year to perform where the boys are on the show. And one of the years, um, Wayne Keller, who is one of the, um, originators of Cadence Hope. Um, he was there with his wife and, um, they ended up coming up to me after the show, um, in the backstage area and handing me a pamphlet for Cadence Hope. And it was just the craziest thing because I was like looking at it and reading it. And so what Cadence Hope is, is, um, it helps uh, families with children and or babies in the uh, NICU, the NICU. Um, and so a lot of people don't know that not every hospital um, has the um, medical equipment to um, 
assist in those ways. And so a lot of the times they end up sending babies to other hospitals and these families have no way of affording to be able to be in a hotel, um, seeing their child, um, just things like that. So wherever, wherever the needs are, Cadence Hope tries to meet it with the families. Um, and so they hand me this pamphlet backstage and I'm like, I was like, hi, nice to meet you. And, you know, he explains who he is, he explains Cadence Hope a little bit. And I was like, like, do you know who I am? Like, do you know my brother? And they were like, no, we literally just were blown away by your performance. And we just wanted to talk to you and see if you had any interest in like being a part of Cadence Hope. And we like now talking about it, they were like, we really felt strongly that you needed to be the national ambassador for it, but they didn't know why. And my brother, Christopher Gross, um, he was born at a pound and a half and was a preemie and um, has literally, he is the, he is one of my heroes in my life. Um, He born at a pound and a half, had several surgeries as a baby. I mean, like defying all odds, uh, had a liver transplant at 14, ended up developing diabetes. Um, And so just crazy that they had come up to me and I like explained that whole thing. And it just literally, again, was like, I feel like the Lord was just like working to make paths cross and meet and everything to, um, to see that through. And so that, yeah, that's what Cadence Hope is. And I've been able to work with them. And one of the coolest things when I was on the voice was I think it was like top 13, um, a company I worked for boot barn at the time ended up donating $13,000 to cadence hope. And like, um, just, you know, trying to just shed a little more light on, um, the issues in that area. Cause a lot of people don't really think about it that much. Um, and so it definitely hits home for me, uh, with my brother. Um, so yeah, wow. that's, that's cadence hope. <laughs> that's great. So where can people find out more about it? Can they get involved? Is there anything the organization need? Obviously probably, you know, donations, right. Um, Donations 100% cadencehope.org. So um, that's literally where you'll find everything, whether it's donations or how you can help. um, It's cadencehope.org. Wow, that is really special. We uh, got to interview this woman, Corey Salker. She and her husband and their family, I think they have, I want to say they have like 10 kids of their own, but they uh, foster and then adopt terminally ill children and they're caring for them and all that. So I'm thinking of you and her at the same time. Wow. wow. Those are, yeah. Sacrifices. Yes. Life. Yes. Wow. Yes, they do. And her story is just crazy. And it's for, so I, I'm going to send her, send her your art to Cadence Hope way anyway. Um, but yeah, she does amazing things. You know, she's, they touch the lives that they can, you know, you can't save the world, but you can save the ones that you come in touch with. Right. Um, she's a beautiful story, but so if you had to, if somebody walked up to you right now and said, Hey, Mary, Sarah, I have a dream. I would like to break into this industry. You know, here's my, and you listened to them. You saw what they, you, you just had that feeling about them that they, you know, were on the right path. And what would you, what are some nuggets that you would give them? Well, I think it would definitely depend on how old they are. I've had a lot of like younger, probably 14, 15 year olds, um, you know, come up to me about going on the voice and things like that. And it, it, that plays back to, you know, going, don't try to rush things. Um, your calling is your calling and it will happen. Um, and just trusting in that and like where 
to focus your time is your gift and getting better at that and practicing that and um, putting the time in um, to be better. And whether it's vocal lessons or picking up an instrument um, and I feel like sacrificing sometimes the fun things, if you really love it and are passionate about it, there are times in my life where, yeah, I wanted to like go out and have fun with all of my friends and stuff. But on a Friday and Saturday night, I was singing in an Opry in Texas because I love to perform. So, you know, sometimes it comes with it. I think a lot of amazing things come with sacrifice though. And, um, so if you really love it, just be ready to have to sacrifice some things. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice them forever. Um, but, um, I, as far as that is like, stay true to yourself to trust yourself. I think we all know, really do know ourselves and we have a little voice inside of us, um, that knows right from wrong. Um, and so just trusting that. And, um, I would just say, be careful because industries, I mean, music and, all of that is beautiful, but also it's business. So you have to remember there are people in the industry that aren't necessarily looking out for your best. Um, and so just to be aware of that and surround yourself with really good people who believe in you just as much as you believe in yourself. Nice. Have you ever had an, an experience with someone that it became clear to you, Hey, this person isn't necessarily in my best interest. And how did you, I have had a couple, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I have had a couple and you know, what's funny too, is, um, one of them, it was during the bridges project. And I think it's amazing because like at the time with something like so negative and like figuring out something, but something so positive came out of it as well. Um, but yeah, I did. That was actually, honestly, the manager, um, ended up not really, I mean, I, I'm already a perfectionist and she literally was 10 times worse than me about it. And so for me, it didn't really become, it became really a work like performing. And again, back to that passion over perfection I had to, after that management contract ended, like kind of realized I was in a bit of depression because I expected so much of myself and I just kept failing myself and thinking that I had to be perfect and that if I wasn't, I wasn't going to make it. And that can really just defeat you. Um, and so even, you know, with the question you had before about if somebody came up to me, that's another thing is that like overall it passion is what wins. And so those like tiny mistakes you might make on guitar or forgetting lyrics on stage or whatever it is like, that's just you being real and we're not perfect. And so, yeah, I have had, I've had my fair share and faced a lot of people in this industry and I've had a lot of no's as well. Um, and you're just looking for the one. Yes. And I think just, again, keeping your sights on people who, you know, their intentions are good. Yeah. It can be hard to step away, especially, I mean, you were young at the bridges, uh, project time. You're not old, you know, but like young, young then. Right. And so, it can be yeah. especially hard for someone, you know, in their teens, you were a teenager still, right? And so for, to have that instinct and to know, hey, this person is not in my best interest, even though you wanted it so badly, I think that's yeah. pretty you know, unusual for someone to be able uh, to well, have that. You know, I, to, you know. I give that credit to my parents, like yeah. for raising me that way. 
Um, and also like they, they were with me during that time and they were just as much as fooled by that same person. Yeah. Um, so I'm thankful that like, I get to call a part of the team that I do trust my family. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. And so I, I know though, that not everybody has that. Um, and also I've been able to, you know, it always, it hasn't always been such a family thing. I've had to, you know, build a team of people around me and like my producers right now, I absolutely adore them and they're just good hearted people. Um, and like, I think that wins at the end of the day, um, you know, whether there's success with it or not, just surrounding yourself with people you love and have fun with. And, um, you know, don't take life so seriously either. Like music is about creating and, letting yourself just be creative. Like, don't worry about what everybody else wants or what they think. Like that's, that's not what it's about. Perfect. And that is a great time to talk again about what we were talking about before this, when you're talking about, it takes time to get into that creative space. Can you just go into that for a minute? Because I was saying, I do think it is very difficult for somebody who is close to a person who has to get in that creative space to understand. Like for me, when I'm writing, I'm working on something, it can be something like somebody can cough and I can be like, shut up, you know, like, cause it just <laughs> takes me out of my, like, I have to go away, away. You know, I don't know what your process is like, yeah. but I think everybody has a different process that they need to get into. What is your process? And how do you, how would you advise somebody to, to be able to establish that for themselves? Yeah. Um, gosh, my, my process, um, has been learned over time. Um, I, you know, originally with the whole creating and that, that, in that aspect, it's really songwriting, um, that as an artist, we're able to show our creativity in. And I started songwriting when I was about 14 years old, but it wasn't until I really moved to Nashville when I was 17, um, that, I really like started to jump into writing rooms and things like that. Um, and for me, you know, it didn't always come so easy, the whole like creative process. And again, I think it comes back to the perfection side of things that I would, you know, walk into a writing room with other writers and think, oh my gosh, you know, they've got like so much more, um, under their belt, like experience under their belt and like just be intimidated if anything, like most of the time. And so, a learned thing was just kind of going, it's not, it's not about that. Um, it's not about who has more experience or not. It's about sitting in a room with someone and getting to know each other and finding common ground and finding something you stand for together and writing about it and like letting go of all these ideas in your head of what it should sound like or what it should be. Or, um, you know, I think a lot of people struggle here in this town of, like what we call being radio worthy, um, you know, and, and following in the footsteps of the people like before. But the thing is, is like, that's their path, not yours. And like, you got to fight to just be you and be creative. And for me, I mean, that's what's great about Nashville though, too, is that's like, if you are looking to do songwriting, Nashville is worth that. Um, because you lock yourself in a room with somebody and literally yeah. like nothing else is around you. You're in a room for however many hours, whether it's one hour to write a song or it could be five hours or could take a whole night or whatever it is. Um, for me, I think I have to balance like traveling, um, and like performing, 
Um, because I can, I have my dad's brain where I can get into kind of like the business side of things and not so much being as creative and allowing myself just to like chill and like have creative thoughts. I'm like, Oh, we need to do this and that and this. And like, did someone get the merch? And like, I don't know. I think I've been somewhat of my own manager and like of my own like booking agent at certain times and things like that, where I have to like really balance the business with creative um, and make time for the creative side of things um, because it's very important. So that's the whole thing. Like right now is like, I haven't released any music because I've I've wanted to be creative and just take a step back and like live my life a little and have a little more perspective and maybe some things to write about that have happened and, um, things that like time to just like reflect on my own life, um, and look at, you know, how do I want to, how do I want to, I don't know, inspire people who listen to my music and what do I want to say? Um, because it, I don't take it lightly that music, I believe is something can change that can change the world. And, um, we all have a message. And so I don't take it lightly that like I have my own message and it can influence people in some way, somehow. And so for me, if I'm going to influence somebody, I hope they leave feeling better and happy and <laughs> um, encouraged. As I love it. I think it does. Happy. You just released some, well, so you are, re- you are working on new music. You're, you're, you're preparing to release new music. So your fans, mm-hmm. your followers will be very excited yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of emotional stuff. There's, there's one specific song that I can think of too. That's like really, um, emotional for me and like vulnerable. Um, that's another thing that takes time too. I, I just hate when people put a time on creating like a time limit on it because it happens when it's going to happen and like, you can't really put it in a box. Um, and so this song I wrote with two writers, one being my producer and another um, named Aaron Ratier, just recently won a Grammy for Lady Gaga song that he co-wrote. Um, he's really, really awesome. You would love him. He's just <laughs> such a unique character. Um, but one day, it just I walked in and was able to be vulnerable in that session. And it's one of those songs for me that I think a lot of people don't like to talk about. Um, it's a topic that kind of goes under the radar because a lot of men or women feel ashamed. Um, it's more of like a guilt or feeling. And, um, and so I, I don't know, I went through a series of my life where I had felt that and I was too afraid to write about it. Uh. And so finally I've been able to write this song and, and hopefully it encourages others as well. Okay, so I noticed too that you are extremely patriotic. It's hard not to notice the patriotism. The God Bless America that you just released was beautiful. You have a beautiful voice and you just did that song, Such Honor. Where does that come from, that sense of patriotism and why? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, well, you know, why do you, uh, why are you driven to perform it so much? Because it can actually, especially today, it can actually turn people against you is what I mm-hmm. think I'm looking at. We have that in our work, you know, patriotism, and then we get called and we, it, people are instantly turned off when we talk anything about patriotism. So I don't know if you've experienced that as well, but yeah, where does the patriotism come from and how is your response to it? How are people responding to it? Well, I do feel like you said, a lot of people can be turned off by it, but I beyond believe in the fact that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Um, and I again, have to give credit to my family. My 
grandpa was a colonel in the Air Force, um, 22 years. Um, and he was actually the one, so the God Bless America video, um, he sent me a text message uh, about five, six years ago. And it was the video of Kate Smith singing God Bless America. And the thing about the video itself too uh, shines light on something that has been lost in history, which is the beginning intro that leads you into the prayer of God bless America that no one really ever has known. And so it did, it blew my mind when he had sent that to me that that had been lost because to me, it brings more, more so such more weight to the song. Um, And so, especially during this time, I mean, that song was written in 1918 by Irving Berlin um, they were in war then it wasn't released until 1938 where literally more war and like crazy. It just, yeah. so during this time, I just felt, you know, and talking to my family about it, it just felt like the right thing to do because the song itself wasn't meant to be right or left or, um, political at all. It literally was meant to bring peace is yeah. what it was meant to do and just believe that God truly can bless America. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I have to give credit to my family for always really reminding me that we, our life isn't free. Um, and, and just taking the gifts that we do have and paying tribute and respect to those who are fighting for our freedom. Um, and I'd, I'm just constantly reminded that I can't do what I do without those who are willing to sacrifice. Um, what is the response you get from people? Do you have, is it all positive responses? People. So far yeah. so good. good. Like, good. and yeah. And even, you know, even when there maybe is like here or there, somebody who's like negative, I have always, always believed I don't play into it. I don't give them the yeah. time of day. Yeah, yeah. Cause that's all they're searching for. Yep. Even when it comes to Facebook stuff. I'm like, I have to get on my family sometimes cause I'll <laughs> notice them like getting back at people and stuff. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> yeah. calm down. It's not worth it. It really is not worth it. And so I'm, yeah. you know, I just pray that it really does touch people in a positive way. Cause that's what it's meant to do. It's just meant to bring peace and just to remind us to come together as a country. Um, and stand for something and that's love and, yeah. and loving one another and being appreciative of one another and of what we all do on a day-to-day basis. Um, and recognizing that that's, that's what it's about. And so that's what I hope, um, just comes across with the whole video itself. Well, it, I think it absolutely does come across. Like I said, it's beautiful. We shared it. I saved it. I love it. Thank you for, for doing that. Uh, We have a question we have to ask. Uh, We started American Snippets largely for a lot of the same reasons, the divisiveness, the anger, the hatred. It was impacting us. It was impacting everybody. Uh, And we actually believe that the American dream is very much alive and well, even today, and it's going to be possible to rebuild. But we understand that looks different for all of us. There is no one version of that dream for any of us. And that we think is what makes it so unique and so special. And so I want to ask you, what does the American dream mean to you? What is your version of the American dream? Oh my gosh. Um, For me, just the American dream to be able to be free and to even have the dream itself um, and believe that we can strive to be better and succeed in our lives. Um, 
it means everything to me. It does. It's, um, it's love, it's sacrifice. It's, um, it's, it's everything. And I, and I, I think with my generation at a certain point, I don't know if they were taught about the American dream and, um, how we're so blessed to even have it. (laughs) Um, it's, it's, it's so, you know, for me in a way, maybe that's where like my patriotism comes into play too, is just understanding that like a lot of people my age kind of don't think about these things anymore. And, and I think it's something we have to remember that it's such a unique thing and a privilege to have the American dream itself and still believe that it's um, something we can do to this day. Um, so it does, it means everything to me. (laughs) Nice. Thank you so much. This has been super fun for us. I am glad that I waited until now because it does feel like the time is right to have finally (laughs) tracked you down and had the opportunity to speak with you. If people want to connect with you more, they want to follow you, they want to get up to date on when your music is released. And so they can be a part of that. How can they do that? I am on all social media platforms. So it's Mary Sarah music um, and Sarah with an H. Um, and if you want, I'm having my up, my website updated. It's still up right now, but um, it's just marysarah.com. And that'll actually shoot you to all of my other social media, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it's just Mary Sarah music. Great. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Thank you, Barb. I just am beyond appreciative for you even reaching out and I respect you so much. So thank you. Thank you. All right, guys and gals, that wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Mary Sarah for being here as well and sharing her story. If you want to learn more about Mary Sarah, don't forget each and every week we do a full featured article on every one of our guests over at americansnippets.com. It's a featured article of the week. You can re-listen to the podcast, watch the video interview, uh, read the article, and we also include some social media links there as well that you can use to follow Mary Sarah on places like Instagram and Facebook. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Uh, Don't forget, if you got any value out of today's episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. Share this podcast with a friend. Let them know what we're doing here. Share it on social media. Don't forget to follow us on social at Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, at American Snippets. And one last thing, I wanted to personally, you know, address something, you know, in terms of current events uh, that we're all seeing right now. And uh, for us, you know, we're relentlessly patriotic. We're about the American dream. Uh, But first and foremost, we're all about positivity and unity and lifting people up. And at the end of the day, we are all one. We're all one people. We're all here together. Uh, We're all one nation. We're all Americans. And we need to stand up anytime there is injustice in this country because united, that's when we can really create change. So I wanted to leave you with this poem called We Are America by Trade Martin. We believe in liberty for all. Justice and truth is the American goal. Rights are sacred for every race and creed, and for this dream, we'll fight till we bleed. We pledge allegiance to the country we love and proud to have been blessed by the Lord above. We'll do whatever it takes to defend and save our land of the free and the home of the brave. From the mountains to the prairies, sea to shining sea, we're people undivided and proud to be. 
We've got honor and pride and no glory so true with a constitution that works for me and you. Whether you're born and raised in the U.S. of A. or have come from afar to find a better way, our nation wants peace so steadfast we'll stay and strive for our ambitions day after day. Thanks for being here, everyone. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. (laughs) 